You're listening to a Crossroads original podcast. Can you guess what day it is today when $2.3 billion will be spent on flowers and $2.2 billion spent on candy? Well, if you guessed Valentine's Day, then you are correct. You win the prize. I'm your host, Mark Masry, and you are listening to the 100 Huntley Street Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about all things Valentine's and romantic love. Now, the reality is that Valentine's Day isn't, you know, the lovey-dovey celebration for all, as we would maybe like to hope or imagine. Perhaps you're still single, you're waiting for that special someone to come along, or you're recently divorced and are grieving the loss of a relationship. Perhaps you are widowed um, and you are longing for the days uh, when you and your loved one were together. There are so many scenarios that we could uh, look at in terms of what makes Valentine's Day not necessarily the most positive experience for us all. But the reality is that we still have reason to celebrate love because as followers of Christ, we have experienced the greatest love of all. And this episode, we're going to be actually having some of our favorites around here giving us an amazing teaching on some of the different aspects of love that the Bible talks about. We love Ron and Ann Maines. They are the hosts of A Better Us. They are relationship experts, and trust me, they travel the country and abroad talking to married couples and those looking to get married and giving them advice and and workshopping how to best approach our relationships with a godly perspective. And we've got a great couple, actually, as Laura's guest today, Mark and Janet Soppitz, um, immigrated to Canada uh, early in their marriage, uh, were posted in a ministry capacity in, uh, in Canada, and early on, Mark started to feel some of the pressures of that decision. They had a family, a growing family, and mental health became an issue for him. And so the pressures of life, the pressures of ministry life, uh, the struggles with mental health in their marriage created for some real stressful times and days. But they've got a remarkable story of how God stepped in and really rewrote the script uh, for their marriage, and today they are a dynamic couple living a full love for each other and for God. So just a word to the wise, maybe, as you're going about your day today. Remember that it's not necessarily a day of Cupid and cinnamon hearts and roses and chocolates and diamonds for some, but it is a day that might remind someone of a painful loss, or perhaps they're experiencing something in the present that makes them feel a little less than uh, in the mood to celebrate love. And it's a good reminder because you may be listening to this podcast, quite possibly listening to this podcast on a day other than Valentine's Day, that we need to love each other. That's what we need to remember, that there is a place every day of the year, an opportunity for us every day of the year to love each other selflessly and unconditionally. So let's just take that as a reminder for the show today. What's especially um, meaningful to to me personally on February the 14th, is it's also the day I get to celebrate the birthday of my sweetheart. Um, We have been married uh, over 25 years. I've been blessed to call her my wife for a quarter of a century, which is amazing. It's amazing for me to say, let alone believe. 
Um, but it's also her birthday today, so happy birthday, babe. Uh, and that's that's not her name, by the way. Her name is Angela, but I love her dearly, and I thank God for her every day. So happy birthday. Well, listen, I don't want to eat up any more of our lovey-dovey time together. Uh, we've got an amazing conversation coming up with Mark and Janet Soppet, so stay with us. There's so much to come. Is any marriage beyond hope? Where is God in the seasons of darkness in our relationships when our prayers seem to go unanswered? Can God bring healing to a marriage no matter how broken it seems? Joining me now to share their personal story of trial and transformation are Mark and Janet Sopit, founders of Living Well Life Coaching. Welcome to 100 Huntley Street, Janet and Mark. Thank Thank you. you. Well, thank you for joining us. You have such an incredible ministry today, but an incredible journey of transformation and healing in your marriage. Mm. Mark, take us back to 2005 when your family first immigrated here from the UK, you and Janet, and you have five kids. What was your life like in the UK prior to moving here to Canada? Well, we had met in Oxford and Kind of following that, I went into the police for five years. Janet trained as a teacher. We started having our kids. Um, And then after five years, we felt the call into pastoral ministry and um, went and pastored in a church just outside of Oxford for seven years. Mm, That's wonderful. And then you began to feel this call that God was calling you here to Canada, a new land, a totally different place. And Janet, there you are. You've got five kids and um, I think you were pregnant, were you? No, the youngest was 12 weeks old. Okay. (laughs) Yes. All right. (laughs) What was that like for you as a mom and a wife answering this call that you both sensed God was calling you here to be part of a church that uh, needed growth and and strengthening as a pastoral kind of role. But what was it like for you to move here with five kids? It was really hard and I wouldn't recommend it unless God speaks really clearly and he had. So we stepped out in faith and came. But for me, it was way harder than I imagined. I was obviously, I just had a baby. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't have the regular support. I had five children. So that was a new thing for me. And I really struggled with culture shock. Like I didn't expect or anticipate it, but it was so, so difficult. And it really took me two years. Um, and then I needed to have get some help to help me deal with that, to be able to move on in living in Canada. Yeah. And then after that two year mark, did you start to adjust okay? Yeah, so we got okay. some help. We went away and had some ministry. And, and then actually very shortly after that, my dad died very suddenly, which I thought would throw me back into a tailspin. But I'd learned so much through those couple of years that I was prepared for to deal with the grief and the loss and all of that. Mm. Yeah, so things then got better. Mm-hmm. We thought they were going well, to. Well, right, so you were feeling like you were in a good place, Janet, but Mark, as you're starting to um, really sow into the church ministry that's happening around you and in the church you're serving in, the church is thriving, but you're starting to struggle significantly. What went on for you in that early season? Well, uh, I think one of the things I felt with Janet going through her, her own struggles were I felt quite lonely in that because we'd worked so well together in, in pastoring in the UK mm. and it just felt like there was a separation there. So um, coming, coming back into the Canadian situation, we also uh, found there was, there was various conflicts and ongoing challenges in the church. And I didn't realize at the, at the time, I do now, that I really struggled with any kind of conflict. Mm. And so that was affecting me deeply on the inside. And I began to start feeling kind of 
hopeless. And in fact, the first, for the first few months of 2008, I went really high. It was like I was just in love with Jesus, getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning, being really creative, painting all sorts of things. And that lasted a few months. And then it was like I just dropped like a stone. And within a few months, I was, I was deeply depressed. And we didn't even realize how bad it was mm. until the end of the year. And as you fell into this depression, and as you said, you started to realize how bad it was as it continued on, you had experiences where uh, you ended up overdosing on medication, you ended up hospitalized, and during yeah. that season, you were still trying to serve in a pastoral role. Tell us a bit more about that part of your journey. Well, the positive part of it was that we come to Canada and to the church with a vision to build a team. We didn't want like a one man ministry. We wanted to build a team. And actually out of my illness, a team grew up around us and it was incredible and they were amazing. And, uh, and so we saw a really kind of good side in, in that happening. Um, but then the, the uh, challenge for me was, um, so I'm losing myself there. Uh, well, the challenge is you're experiencing that episode of depression um, where, you, where you started to self-medicate at times, you ended up going well, through different processes and needing some help from a hospital. Right. Those uh, moments. Yeah, I, did, I didn't realize just um, how... How far you had gone, maybe? How far I, yeah. I was going. And, and yeah, I, you know, I began kind of turning to other things. Candy was a massive thing for me on hmm. um, Valentine's Day. Um, yeah, I would, yeah, I would eat a kilogram of wine gums every week. I would get one of these big bags and I'd go through it. And I, I didn't, honestly, I didn't even realize really that I was doing that and that that was one of the things that I was looking to rather than God to help me in this time. And so there was a big hole that was there that was uh, just being filled in all the wrong ways. And so I, I went down and down and down and yeah. it was such a difficult time. It's often when we're in the throes of mental health, we can't tell that we're as far along as we are. Absolutely. That's the reality yeah. for so many people yeah. who journey through mental illness. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that people would just say, well, I didn't realize where I was at. Yeah. But Janet, you at that stage are watching your husband go through this journey. You've got yeah. the kids. How was that impacting you at that season? Well, I think at the time, like what we didn't realize was um, that Mark's, how bad the situation was. And uh, so when he eventually took an overdose, um, I didn't even fully realize that that was what was happening. Um, so suddenly he's in hospital. Um, they kept in there the first time initially for three months. And I'd been a stay at home mum. We had five kids. I was a busy pastor's wife. And so suddenly he obviously was laid off from the church then. Um, I had to find work. And so I applied for all sorts of crazy jobs. <laughs> and uh, But eventually I got work at a, a private Christian school and um, didn't want it. But I'd said to God, I have no idea what to do. I don't know how to navigate this season. I'm in crisis. The kids are in crisis. So if you open a door, I'll walk through it. Mm -hmm. And he opened this door into teaching, which I'd come out of a long time before in the UK. And I thought, I do not want that door. Mm -hmm but you've opened it and I need to feed my children. So I started teaching and found that I loved it. And it was actually, um, it was a break from some of the chaos that we were trying to navigate at home as Mark was in and out of hospital. Mm -hmm. um, but I, most of the time I felt as if I was a single mum with six children and looking after Mark was 
probably the most difficult out of those. Mm -hmm. And I think something that's interesting about your journey, Mark, is that you had uh, treatment-resistant depression. Mm -hmm. So you were going to the counseling, doing the medication, exercise, you know, trying to make those changes in your life that would impact the depressive episode you were having, but none of that was working. Mm -hmm. How did that impact your faith in God and how you viewed God amidst all of this? Well, I think, I think the hardest bit was that uh, normally I'm pretty intuitive about what's going on in myself. I can identify thoughts, um, lies, whatever it is, that, and, and I can understand that. But it was like I fell into this depression so quickly that I got to the point where I couldn't process anything. And so um, they were trying all sorts of different medications uh, over a year. It just felt like hell, really. It was just like one after another. Could there be hope that this one might help? And nothing did. Any combination didn't work. The, the counseling, I, didn't, I just didn't have the thought process to do it because I was depressed. I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to be around people. Um, all of those things, I didn't want to read my Bible, I had no concentration. Mm -hmm. So even as a pastor, that was, that, that was obviously in, the, in those last time, that was, that was difficult as well because I was withdrawing from people, mm -hmm. doing my work, but withdrawing. And so that was such a difficult time, mm -hmm. yeah. And Janet, in that season, uh, you found that God was providing for you in supernatural ways. He was really being a husband to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. You have literal stories of yeah. God providing for your family. Yeah, yeah. One uh, of those yeah. was, um, so we had no money and I was cleaning houses at the time, trying to just earn enough money to buy food on the way home. And it was my daughter's 16th birthday. And I said to her, what do you want to do for your birthday? And she, says, I, she said, I want shop-bought pizza. And I thought, well, that was quite a big treat in our house. <laughs> and I thought, I have no money. And, but my habit was I would go out every single morning at six o'clock when my two little boys were doing a paper route and I would pray they would deliver papers. And I'm out in the morning, I'm angry with God, like, cause I, it, it just was so much chaos. And I said, and it's my daughter's birthday and she wants shop-bought pizza and I don't know what I'm gonna do about it. And I looked like it's six o'clock in the morning, I looked down on the grass and there's a $50 bill. And I picked it up and I thought, I guess that's the pizza. So we had pizza. And there were many, many stories like that through that season, particularly where God just turned up again and again and showed his closeness to me and the children. Mm. And Janet, as that, those uh, moments continue to unfold in your life, in 2015, you hit this point <laughs> yeah. where you said, I'm going to a counselor. You were yeah. probably going to counselors, yeah. but there was a specific counselor yeah. and that impacted you. And you ended up uh, sharing with Mark in a certain way. And then <laughs> that impacted him. <laughs> God's always on the move. Yeah. Tell yeah. us a little bit more about what happened. Yeah. So I'd often hit points where I just said to God, I can't do this anymore. And it was at those times that he reminded me of who Mark really was. Like we'd been married for 18 years before he got ill. So we had a lot of money in the bank, we like to say. And God would remind me of those times. But this time in 2015, three things happened. And I like to think of it as a perfect storm. Um, my, two of my girls left home for university. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a situation at work that was very, very difficult to deal with and I really wanted Mark's support and he couldn't give it to me. And I lost my voice and I was told not to talk for 10 days. I'm a talker. <laughs> but what I realised in that place was with the girls out of the house and it was just me and Mark and two little boys, nobody spoke if I didn't speak. And it was just huge for me. Mm. So I, and my counselor had been saying to me for two years, you can't play tennis on both sides of the net. Mm. And I didn't really get it. I then got it that I was doing so much to try and keep our relationship going. 
and I couldn't do it anymore. Mm. So I went to her and I talked to her about this and she said, you need, to, you need to tell Mark how you feel. You need to go and see The War Room, the film that had just come out. Mm -hmm. And you need to believe that God can raise the dead. So we went out for, for supper that evening and I told him how I felt. And I said very clearly, I am absolutely 100% committed to us and our relationship. But if you can no longer do your side, I don't know where we're going to end up. Didn't and sound so clear to no. me. No, he thought I was <laughs> kicking him out. <laughs> but I was very clear. Yeah. The next day I went to see the war room and I began praying in a different way. Mm. And out of that, Mark's reaction, he was actually really angry with me to start with. Um, but he then went and found a temporary job in a factory. That three-day job led to five years working in a factory and it began to restore our relationship. Well, that's right. And in that factory setting, that's where you started to reconnect with God, Mark. And that's really surprising and incredible. But tell us a bit about that healing journey that God took you on. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I come from a very professional family. So going into a factory really wasn't the place I expected to be. And it certainly wasn't the place I expected to meet with God. So I get this three day temp work and it turns into uh, these years. And it's like as I'm doing a really it was a really monotonous kind of work. But it was really good for me because my brain had really slowed down and my mental processes weren't good. My memory was awful. Uh, but doing this, I, I, I began to, it began to revive me. It's like a, a sense of productivity each day. It's like occupational therapy, I guess. And, but I, I began to just spend hours and hours learning to worship again. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the most exciting things. And during our night shift, I could, I could listen to teaching podcasts, so I felt I was at school. I began to pray and intercede and then learn about the prophetic and start f- hearing things from God for different people. And it became really exciting. And so uh, I, I kind of term it my Bethel because that, that was so, so much where I met God and, and I began to get excited about God again and um, enjoying being with people, which I hadn't done for years. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of great things out of that. Oh, it's incredible. And you know, Mark, I know part of this journey then, Janet, you had to also rebuild because you've been a caregiver yeah. for so long and you guys did courses together on trauma and healing your marriage. Um, today, you have a wonderful life coaching, a ministry coaching actually called Living Well Coaching. I love that. And you are sowing into other people. You are in a position living healed yeah. and always on the journey, I'm sure. Abs- always, right? always. <laughs> what would you guys say right now, just as we wrap up, mm-hmm. to somebody who's watching and they're saying, I don't know if my relationship is beyond repair. Mm-hmm. I don't know if my marriage can be restored. What would you say just in, in a moment if you had mm-hmm. right now? I would say there is always hope. Mm-hmm. God is the God who raises the dead. Mm-hmm. And in the process, he changes you and he makes you more like Jesus. And that was my testimony. It wasn't just about Mark being ill, Mm -hmm. but actually there were things in me that needed to change. And I saw God's faithfulness and it could have ended really differently, but I learned that he is good and he is faithful regardless of what the outcome is. Yeah, and I think for me, it was just a sense that um, what God began, he was going to complete. He spoke that to me before I got ill and, and I had no way of making that happen, um, but he did it. Yeah, mm, amen. Well, Janet, Mark, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your incredible story. We're so thankful for God for what he has done in your life. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. 
Well, I hope you caught most, if not all, of the conversation with Mark and Janet Soppet. I was just thinking, what a great example this couple is of lives surrendered to God and how God was able to come in as a result of that surrender and do an amazing work in their marriage. And you know, let's face it, there are going to be seasons in all of our lives, in our marriages, in our relationships, whether with our significant other or with our children, with our colleagues, with our friends, where we're going to be faced with stress. There are going to be, uh, you know, seasons in life where things aren't going our way. And you know, the, the Bible talks about us going through the valley of the shadow of death. It might not be that dramatic, but there are certainly going to be valley experiences. It's not all going to be mountaintops. And the reality is that when we get our relationship right vertically, God helps us with those human relationships that are important to us. And let's not forget, folks, that as followers of Jesus, people of faith, that we are looking at those relationships through the lens of faith and not just necessarily our humanity. 1 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's not limit our possibilities to what we can see in the natural. And let's not only be listening for the audible, because let's face it, you know, we're always looking for answers that we can touch, feel, see, taste, um, things that are sort of tangible, like right in front of our face. But let's believe God that there's more than meets the eye. So if we're trusting in faith for healing in our marriages or in our relationship with our kids or with our friends and other family members, let's believe God wholeheartedly for what he can do, the miraculous that can be performed. Well, all this program, we are definitely deep diving into this topic of love, and we've been talking about marriage with Mark and Janet Soppet and the romantic side of love, but there's also an equally important aspect to love, and that is the love between friends, the love shared between those close friendships that we have. And in Greek, the term is philia love, and we've been so enjoying having Ron and Ann Maines, who are the hosts of A Better Us, Help us unpack these different types of love. So stay with us. We'll be right back with Ron and Ann. We're talking love this week. Mm-hmm. Last time we told a bit of our love story. Thank you for indulging us. <laughs> and we also mentioned that the Bible uses several different Greek words that mm-hmm. translate into our English word love, which has a pretty broad range of meaning for us, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. From loving our spouse to our dog to a meat lover's pizza. We throw that word around for most everything we really like. And it can get quite confusing when Mm. you're trying to nail down what it is you're really feeling. So let's start with one of those Greek Bible words for love, philia, which is the most general type of love in Scripture, encompassing friendship for those close to us, as well as compassion for people in need. Mm -hmm. Most of us are familiar with various words with that root, like philanthropist, a lover of people, or Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, or philosopher, a lover of wisdom, Mm -hmm. and the list goes on. Philia is the kind of love that's supposed to unite us as believers Mm -hmm. and be clearly on display for the world to see. Jesus said it would be an identifier of his followers. In 1 John 13, he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love philia one another, just as I have loved you. By this people will know that you are my disciples if you have love philia for one another. This kind of friendship love is obviously deeper than our typical Facebook friends or Instagram followers. It's a love that takes action when you see someone in need. Mm -hmm. 
you know, my parents, David and Norma Jean Maines, have been great examples of being philia fanatics, <laughs> putting love into action when seeing someone in need, especially if that someone clearly needed to experience God's transforming power. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. the time when mom and dad were on vacation in cottage country, yeah. while out on a boat, they came across a couple of men who were obviously drunk and disoriented. Mm -hmm. Without hesitation, Dad struck up a conversation and invited them back to their cottage, telling Mom, Norma Jean, put on the coffee pot and get some food. We've got company. <laughs> Sounds like Dad. They got them sobered up and they shared Jesus with them. Mm -hmm. And both of these men prayed a prayer to invite Jesus yeah. into their lives right there in the cottage. But it didn't stop there. Mm -hmm. Dad and Mom stayed in touch with them and, and Dad even officiated the wedding of one of those men. Mm -hmm. And years later, after this man had passed away, Dad walked his daughter down the aisle at her wedding. Isn't that the kind of love we're all called to have? The kind that Jesus said would show everyone that we're His followers? Seeing a need and taking action, having empathy, compassion, and becoming a true friend. That's the love Jesus wants us to show. That's Philia. Well, I've been really enjoying these teachings on love with Ron and Ann Maines. I think it's really helpful to get a biblical perspective and have some context as to what God has to say about these various types of love. Uh, I also find it quite curious that on Valentine's Day, the type of love that they are talking about is philia love, which is the love shared between friends. We may not all end up in a romantic relationship, and that's okay, because God has called some of us to be single, too, to live fulfilling lives as single adults. But we will all have meaningful friendships and knowing what the Bible has to say about that. And it is very clear. 1 John 4, 7, 8 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, uh, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed us how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might experience eternal life through Him. Verse 10 says, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I can't think of a better way to end this half hour together but to talk about the love of God that is life transformative. And maybe you find yourself in a difficult position in your relationships, in your marriage, in your relationship with children, your children, your friends. Um, I want to encourage you that God is love and he wants to come in and heal those relationships. And we've got prayer partners that would love to pray with you. They are available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you can pick up the phone and call at any time. It doesn't matter when you're hearing this podcast. You can pick up the phone. Someone will answer. The number is 1-866-273-4444. Again, it's 1-866-273-4444. Or you can send us an email, prayer at crossroads.ca, and we will lovingly respond to your email. We also have a digital pastor icon that's available to you on our homepage, crossroads.ca. And you will find that link at the bottom of our homepage. And we would just love to encourage you in your faith. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you've chanced upon this podcast. You don't even know how you got here, but you are here and it's for a reason. 
you need to know that God loves you. And today, this Valentine's Day, if you embrace nothing more than that, embrace the love of the Father through His Son, Lord Jesus. And it will transform your life and it will transform your relationships, I promise you. This is the Huntley Street Podcast. You've been listening to your host, Mark Masry. We've thoroughly enjoyed having you with us today. So go out and have a wonderful Valentine's Day. And remember this, God is love and you are loved by Him. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre of Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing 100 Huntley Street. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.